Well, as we're entering into another weekend, it's time for another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt alongside the host of the program, which hopefully you've memorized by now. It's Andrew Gamison. Hello, Adam. It's good to be with you. And today we have another one of our movie review episodes. And I'm very excited today to talk about the movie God's Not Dead 2 with Adam McNutt. And I have to say, when we did our God's Not Dead review a while back, I remember being, I remember telling you that they were doing God's Not Dead 2 and being extremely skeptical <laughs> uh, because of some of the problems that we had with God's Not Dead. Even though we liked it, obviously we're critiquing it. So we did point out some of the weak spots, and I was very surprised that they decided to do a second movie. And now, without giving anything away, or not much anyway, it seems by a little clip uh, that happens after the credits. So if you go to see this this movie in the theaters this weekend, uh, stay until after the credits. Watch the last scene. It seems to kind of allude to the fact that there may be a God's Not Dead 3 in the future. That's not an official announcement. Don't quote me on it. Don't call um, David A.R. White. From the, the <laughs> founder of Pure Flix and be like, so when's God's Not Dead 3 coming out? Don't do that. But I'm just telling you, I have a feeling about this. So, uh, but I don't want to digress too far. Adam and I are going to discuss our thoughts about this movie uh, so that you can make an informed decision about whether to go with your family. Um, but first, let's listen to the trailer for God's Not Dead 2. In this day and age, people seem to forget that the most basic human right of all is the right to believe. No prayers, no moments of silence, nothing. Think of the other children out there who are subjected to their repressive belief system. If we sit by and do nothing, the pressure that we're feeling today will mean persecution tomorrow. We're at war. What makes nonviolence so radical is its unwavering commitment to a nonviolent approach. Isn't that sort of like what Jesus meant when he said that we should love our enemies? Yes. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. One of your students sent a text to their parents. Did this happen? If you're asking whether I responded to a student's question, yes. And your answer incorporated the words of Jesus. What were you thinking, Grace? The Thollies are asking that you be fired, plus revocation of your teaching certificate. How do we make this go away and not get blood on our hands? We let the ACLU do it. We're going to prove once and for all that God is dead. I'm not in the matter of Thollie versus Wesley. Mr. Kane will insist faith isn't on trial here, but that is exactly what is on trial. You're looking to prove that Jesus Christ existed? Oh, that's ridiculous. I hate what people like your clients stand for and what they're doing to our society. You're under arrest. These people, they're looking to destroy you. Everyone's telling me to stay out of it. What is your heart telling you to do? I would rather stand with God and be judged by the world than stand with the world and be judged by God. I am not going to be afraid to say the name Jesus. that a Christian's right to believe is subordinate to all other rights, then it's not a right. You are the Lord, I charge you with contempt. I accept the charge because I have nothing but contempt for these proceedings. God's not dead, he's surely alive. He's 
All right. Well, there you have it. The theatrical trailer for God's Not Dead 2. And I don't remember if I got to my main point in the intro when I was talking about my skepticism about God's Not Dead 2. I remember, but if this is a reiteration, so be it. I remember just thinking that maybe this would be a bad idea um, and that it wouldn't be, that it might be a weaker film. But I have to tell you, Adam, my initial thoughts are that it was actually a better film Mm -hmm. than the first one. Uh, So I don't know what you were thinking, but as we jump into this conversation, what are your thoughts about God's Not Dead 2? You know, all in all, I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Um, I, I'd have to agree with you. I think the second one was was a little bit better than uh, the first. the The quality was a, a little bit better, and um, I felt like the the storyline was a lot yes, stronger in plot, this one. The plot was thicker. Yes, it was not uh, this convoluted fifty million stories diversion to one <laughs> uh, that we saw in the original. Now that's not to say that God's not dead. It wasn't a good film. Right. I think it was. But uh, I think the second one has some strengths. So basically, the premise of God's Not Dead 2 is it's in the universe of God's Not Dead. But the main character in this case is Grace Wesley. Uh, She's a high school um, history teacher at a public school. And she brings up the fact, something historical about Jesus. And about because they were talking about nonviolence, the importance of uh, adapting a nonviolent strategy to life, and uh, that's what and that was the subject matter. And one of the students texted his parents, um, and it got out that um, she was bringing up Jesus in the classroom, and then. Um, the school got the ACLU to to prosecute, and they picked um, uh, some parents to be the plaintiffs. I, it was kind of like Roe versus Wade, where when you have a when lawyers have a cause, they'll seek out somebody to represent that cause. They don't really care who it is. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was the kind of thing where if this family didn't sign on, they'd go to the next family and try to find somebody until they did. So it wasn't like this particular family wanted to sue. It was just like they found these guys and they were ripe for the picking. And so then the whole movie basically is her going through this trial of um, not necessarily. See, the, the thing, the one issue I would take with with the overall premise is that it's not necessarily proving that God's not dead as much as it is just proving that she has the religious liberty to believe as she as she wants to. And to have that at least influence her teaching. Now, the one thing that I thought of is all she was doing was uh, comparing Jesus to like Gandhi or Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. She didn't give the gospel. Uh, she got a little more detailed outside of the classroom, but within the classroom, she was just giving a quote. Um, and most people respect Jesus as a historical figure, even if they don't think he was God. Right. So I thought that that was kind of. Um, a little strange, but it's not it's not unrealistic either because um, as long as you're swearing and using Jesus' names, that's fine. But if you start talking about Jesus as God, people get um, or or say his name in any sort of reverent way. They want to jump on you and even make it a bigger deal um, than it than it should be. 
And so I think uh, it was important because I know a lot of times when people see movies like this, they say, well, that's not realistic. It's playing on Christian cliches. But this has been on my mind ever since I watched the movie because I know that certain people will have that view and, and they're entitled to that. It's a free country. You know, if, if they have a podcast, they can put that out or a YouTube channel. Um, they can put that out. But I just want to say this right here. It seems to me that whenever uh, the Christians are persecuted here in the U.S., some other person, even Christians, come along and they try to minimize it or explain it away and try to talk about how, in one way or another, it's the Christians' fault. And I think that does a disservice to what's actually happened. Now, is it is it as bad as Christian persecution overseas? Not by a long shot. And there are people losing their heads every day for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And being told you can't speak of him in school is a far cry from that. But a lot of times these schools get up in arms and they cite laws that are not even accurate. You know, it's not illegal for a teacher to talk about Christ in the classroom. It might be not allowed by a school board because school boards get skittish because people complain about separation of church and state. But it's not illegal. So I just wanted to get that out there. I'm going to try to roll off my soapbox as we get <laughs> into the rest of the film. Um, but first of all, Adam, tell us some positive things you saw about the movie. I liked how you could be put in Grace's position. They did a really good job of the main character of, you know, when she was going through this phase of, maybe losing her job and then, you know, she'd lose her home and she would, you know, she'd be completely lost because she'd lose everything because of this court thing if, if, uh, if, if they were to win. And, you know, I think we've all been in that position before where we feel like we've kind of been persecuted or, you know, we've had emotional stones thrown at us, whether it's with uh, another person in our life or maybe if we felt persecuted or maybe, you know, we felt nervous to bow our heads at a restaurant table because we're nervous about what people will think. We've all been in that position and I think what's interesting is, is so many people can relate re- with grace. They might not have been her or a teacher saying the word Jesus in a classroom and then getting sued for it by the country. But everybody can relate when you see this movie and what grace is going through when she asks for that grace herself to handle that. Because we've all gone through something where we, where we needed that. So I applaud them for really nailing that and especially Melissa Joan Hart doing a great job in that main role. And I applaud them for just really uh, preaching truth. In the movie as well, you know, they took a, what is, you know, a little bit of a rocky subject in the world today, even if it's, you know, truth and should be able to say Jesus' name anywhere. But, you know, they went out and, and they hit it strong. So I like that. Yeah, um, I think one of the most positive things um, about the film was the development of the character Martin from the first film. Yeah. Uh, it was an interesting subplot that he was growing in his Christian faith. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really good how it wasn't like he made this decision at the end of the first movie and, and he's, everything's hunky dory with him and God. Um, matter of fact, he comes to the, the pastor, pastor Dave and says, Dave, I have, I have some questions for you, uh, (laughs) because I want to know more about Christianity, more about my faith. And, pastor says okay that's my kind of in my job description so how many questions do you have and he says so far 197 so i thought that was kind of interesting (laughs) 
just in the in his delivery that it was so precise and it was it was a moment of humor but also of true searching see a lot of times people say that they're they're searching or they're trying to find answers but their attitude isn't one that's that way and so i really liked that and just to see the development of his character as his father tries to dissuade him from following jesus and um and he says no uh, basically, even if you disown me, I'm going to keep following Jesus. And again, this is something that people might say is is overly exaggerated. But interestingly enough, Adam, today, um, as I was coming in to record, and we're recording this a couple weeks ahead of time for those that are wondering. I know I'm letting some of the magic out of the bag. But just to give you some context of when it was on my Facebook page, if you want to go back and look at it for those that are listening, and want to find me, Andrew Gomison, on Facebook. I might even post it on the Speaking for Him page, um, just in correlation with this podcast. But all that to say that there was actually a Muslim lady that saw God's Not Dead, the first one, got saved, and her husband uh, kicked her out of the home. And her husband had been beating her because that was that's one of the things that Muslim husbands are allowed to do is to beat their wives. And uh, anyway, she and her daughter are no longer in that home, and it's really rough on her, but she has the hope of Christ. And, you know, I know um, some people are skeptical, and there's a certain level to which some of the things about this these films could be a little bit higher quality, but but I really applaud overall the work that they're doing and like I said, the story is 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 far better. The storyline is far better and far more thought out in this one than it was in the first one. So that's, to me, an encouragement. All right, negatives about the movie. Um, I think they missed an opportunity here, and that was that uh, she had a public defender, which was not a Christian, which I kind of appreciated that, and I kind of think think that's kind of where they were going, was they were trying to say that even a non-Christian can realize the ridiculousness of this and still defend it, even though they don't necessarily believe what she believes. Yeah. But I also think it's funny that there are organizations like the American Center for Law and Justice that defend people free of charge when they're going through these religious persecution issues, and they didn't call upon an organization like that in this movie. And so I thought that, that might have been an interesting opportunity. Um, but again, um, some people might have thought that was too much of an advertisement for them. So maybe that's why they steered away from it. Um, and so that's that that was probably um, one of the one of the main negatives that I draw drew out of the movie itself Um and then, of course, the newsboys were back, and that was kind of neat, and at the same time, uh, kind of interesting that they ended basically ended the, the second movie the way they ended the first movie with a newsboys concert, and uh, um, Michael Tate talking about the storyline of the movie, yeah, which is kind of harkens back to God's Not Dead. So I guess those two things are the main things that might be a little bit negative for me. But overall, I really liked um, this this film. 
And uh, so as you move forward, Adam, what was your favorite part, would you say? My favorite part of the movie? Um, I would have to say um, there, Grace's grandfather, I believe, lived with her? Or did she visit her him? No, I think they lived together. Okay, all right. So she was kind of the 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 caretaker of uh, her grandfather, and you know it's kind of escaping my mind at the moment. But the grandfather said a quote in the movie that was so good. It was about atheism, and it said, um, "I think it was like atheism doesn't." Um, oh, I'm completely blanking at the moment. It was so good, though. It's like I know the premise of it in my mind, but I'm trying to remember what it was. It was like, you know, atheism doesn't um, get rid of God. It was like it, it gets rid of the hope. <laughs> and that hit me so hard because not only was it like, boy, that's true, but also it made me feel bad for people that, you know, may be angry at God or they're telling themselves, oh, there is no God. But the only thing it does is it doesn't make God disappear. It just makes your hope disappear. And I just thought that was really good. My, I had a couple parts that stuck out to me as, as really good in this film. And the first part was that, um, well, I guess a few parts. The, the first part I would think of is when she's crying on the bed and just crying out to God for help. Yes. That was very genuine, very legitimate. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that's what we need to do. We need to cry out to God. Um, and then another part that I really liked was when uh, her defense attorney is studying her case, she gives him a book called The Man, the Myth, the Messiah, which I believe is available. Um, and again, th this this could spin a little bit negative because I'm not sure if it was developed for the movie or... or uh, or after the movie or whatnot, because I did see it being sold and with a thing on it that said as featured in God's Not Dead 2. But the point I was getting to was that he was studying about Jesus because they, they decided to do exactly like kind of what I was talking about earlier, where they would present him as a historical figure and say that she had every right to bring him up as a historical figure uh, like Gandhi or any other historical figure apart from the Christianity aspect. Um, and so just watching him grapple with that and then the fact that he didn't get saved. Mm. I mean, because it would have been easy for them to write it. Oh, he comes to faith and, you know, and even possibly that they get together because it was kind of hinted at that her grandfather wanted her to find a nice boy. Yeah. And, <laughs> and start the next phase of her life. And they easily could have gone that direction, you know, bit that bullet. And decided to go down that road. And, and a lot of moviegoers who like positive endings would not have faulted her mm -hmm. faulted them for doing that but i like the fact that it was more genuine that he didn't all of a sudden say now i'm a believer he just said that he respected her for standing up for what she believed in and that that was the important part <laughs> so i think that was significant um and so those are just um, some of my favorite parts. I was hoping that we would see, um, Sean from the first film. He's, he's mentioned. Yeah. But he doesn't appear. Mm -hmm. I was kind of hoping that we would get an update on him. But, uh, that I'm, and then, uh, 
my least favorite part of the film, I think, was the like the principal. Like she's just so she's like no moments of silence, no prayers. You know, she's talking to one of the athletic coaches or whatever on the phone, and she's like, anything that remotely resembles anything to do with God, uh, just take it out. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of weird, because if you really think about it, that's not even talking about Jesus. That's just talking about God in a generic sense. Yeah. And I thought moments of silence is what we do here in our culture today. So I thought that might have been even a little overboard for them to write it that way, because... That's one of the biggest complaints that the world has of us Christians is that we go overboard about our plight as Christians in America. And so the natural reaction is to then exaggerate in the other way and to be like, well, uh, let's just sit back and twiddle our thumbs and act like nothing's going on. And then 10 years from now, we'll scratch our heads and wonder what happened to our freedoms. Right. So we, we need to make sure that we fall into a balance there between those two extremes. Um, did you have, um, like a least favorite part, Adam? I think least favorite part to me is there's actually a scene more towards the end of the movie where the main pastor in the movie had to hand in his, uh, sermons to the like county or to the state. Cause there'd been something passed where all pastors in there had to do it. And there was a clerk there where the pastor had said, I, I, I'm actually uh, sending in a letter saying I'm not going to bring in my sermons because I, he's taking a stand. And they made the clerk, like, super nasty and, like, super angry at him and stuff. And I know they were trying to get, like, the someone who doesn't have God in their life or kind of the, the atheist corner on it. I, I thought it was a little overkill. I was like, it was kind of making, like, any atheist look like a horrible, nasty person. And I know that's not always the case. They're just They're just lost. So I felt like that was a little much, and I was like, uh, okay. And again, I, I, and I, I agree with you there, but I want to make it very clear that this was based on an actual scenario. Yeah. In Houston, Texas, last year, I believe, they, the mayor had said that she wanted um, all pastors in Houston to turn in their sermons for her perusal. Now, fortunately, there was some kickback from the city council and it didn't last very long. But it's a very real scenario. It's not something that was fiction. Um, it's something that that was real. And so we need to be aware of these things. We need to be aware that that can actually happen. And so I really do think that that's what they were trying to allude to. Mm-hmm. And so, um, again, we need to be careful that we don't just get suckered in and say, oh, that whole movie's cliche. It would never happen. Right. Because there are things happening today that, 10 or 20 years ago, people said would never happen, and they're happening. So we need to be careful about what we say in those regards either way. All right, so Adam, as we wrap up this discussion, do you have anything to say about um, what are some big lessons or maybe one big lesson that you took away from this film? I actually got two from it. Uh, One is that we should stand up for God and what we believe in uh, regardless of the consequences. And, and I thought they did a good, a good job of really describing that through Grace's journey of this where she could you know, lose her job and everything. And she's like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to do the right thing. And she had times where she could have said, okay, I'm sorry for saying Jesus or something, and life would have moved on. 
But each time she said, no, I, I, I can't, I can't do that. So how she stood up, I thought that was awesome. And then secondly, how you saw God bring grace through each stage. And there are times where it wasn't easy or she felt lonely, but you could tell in the movie that just like real life, God was present with her in each moment. And that really just reinforced even my own faith. It's like, hey, that's right. God's got you. Even if it seems like the darkest day, he has the opportunity to shine the brightest. All right. And I would and I would just say, too, I know some people will say, well, if you're a Christian, maybe you should teach at a Christian school or you shouldn't teach because you shouldn't put yourself in the public school and then have to go against them to share your faith. But I would just caution you from that point of view just by saying this, that, yes, personally, I will. I feel like I will only sub in a Christian school um, because my faith is such a part of me that I would probably slip and get in trouble for sharing my faith in the classroom because that's what I do. Everywhere I go pretty much is share parts of my faith, faith journey. But that being said, even if you are going to take that position, first of all, there's a lot of criticism from certain Christians that we have too much of a Christian subculture as it is, that we need to be part of the main culture and allow our Christian worldview to impact that main culture. So if you're going to tell all teachers not to teach at the public school if they're Christians, how is that in step with being a part of the culture at large and influencing them with with Christian values? Mm -hmm. The other thing is, just because the scenario in this film had to do with public school, doesn't mean there isn't other scenarios like <clears throat> a guy gave a firefighter wrote a book uh, a fire chief i don't remember where he's from but he wrote a book about uh wrote a bible study book and one of the topics was marriage and he took the biblical position of traditional marriage one man one woman and he gave it to one of his firefighter friends at the station after it was published I don't know if it was that guy or if it was a third guy. I think it might have been a third guy. Uh, saw the book, complained about it, and then he got reprimanded. It wasn't anything to do with his job performance. It was just that he had given away this book that went against um, the world's view of marriage and went for the Bible's view of marriage. And, you know, fire departments don't need to have any views on marriage. And he was giving his view on marriage as a private citizen when he wrote the book. And yeah, he got into some pretty big disciplinary issues when that came out. And I'm sure there will be people that will be quick to say, well, he shouldn't have take, taken the book out at work or whatever. But be careful what you're saying. Because before you know it, it will be like, well, you can share your faith. Just not here or here or here or here. And before you know it, the only place you're going to be able to share your faith is your, the 300-foot radius out your front door. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that's what God has in mind. You know, Peter and John were like, hey, in, in Acts chapter 4, they were like, you know, regardless of what you say, we're going to share what we've seen and heard about Jesus everywhere we can. We're not going to stop. Even though you tell us not to speak in this name, we're not going to stop. And I think we as Christians need to respectfully and kindly have the same attitude. All right. The moment of truth, Adam. Do you have a rating for us? One being worst, 
five being best, four guys not dead too. I do, and I kind of bounce back and forth between two scores, but I am giving it a 3.5. I thought it was really, really good. I would encourage you to go see it. I thought there were a couple cheese parts here or there where I was like, eh, okay. But uh, I would say a strong 3.5 for sure. And I would say 4.5. It wasn't a 5 because there were a couple issues, but I really liked the film, and uh, so I would encourage you to go out and watch it. It should still be in theaters this weekend, so take your family tonight if you haven't gone to see it. If you can't make it out of the theaters, get the DVD, support what they're doing at PureFlix. <laughs> and you know, if you see um, you know, things that you think could be improved in their films, don't be afraid to you know let them know how they can improve. I'm sure that they would want to know how they can get better as well, as would any of us as long as it's constructive criticism that will help them in future projects. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage you to go out and watch this movie. I hope you have a great weekend, and I hope that you keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 